Good morning, Three Rivers. Man, this is a really neat day today. There is, a, there is another Three Rivers campus meeting apart from us today and, uh, and uh, working toward a launch date on Easter. Isn't that cool? And so, uh, yeah, thank you, somebody, for being fired up about that. That's called multiplication. That's kingdom growing. And that's more, more outposts of the kingdom in really cool places. And so how fun is that? I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, good day, y'all. Incredibly, incredibly good day. Um, we'll be saying more about that as they get ready to launch. And we'll be celebrating that together. A few announcements before we, we, we uh, uh, rock on into finishing up uh, Kingdom Part 2. Um, mamas, if you got a little one in here, we want you to know you're welcome to have that little one in here. That is awesome. But we also have a room right over here. You can go back there or go through these doors. And this is the library. And in there is a big 55-inch television plugged into the wall with video feed from here to there. So you can hear... You can see, and you can be comfortable with your little one if you need to. I just want you to know that's there for you if you need to take advantage of it, okay? I want you to be comfortable. We all, most of us guys, pastors have raised or are raising our families, and we know what you have to face to get here. For some reason, Sunday morning is rough with babies, isn't it? And if you fought to get here, there's an option for you. Just be cool. Relax, okay? It's there for you, mamas, and so relax, okay? Good? Awesome. Very good. Uh, don't forget your domain maps. Next Sunday, the 17th, your domain maps are due. That was your homework. Remember, me, the, the teacher, the educator, is going uh, to require that of you. And if you don't turn it in, you're excommunicated and you're no longer welcome at Three Rivers. No, just kidding. Turn those in to Pastor Jeff. Uh, Jeff uh, led us in the Lord's Supper. Uh, Jeff will be in the back at the end of the service. Turn your domain maps in next Sunday the 17th, and you can uh, get those to Jeff. We're going to take a look at them, and, and then that following Sunday, um, I'll be uh, looking uh, through those during the week, and I'll be sharing with you every domain that we're engaged in, how many people are there, and some things that we can think through on how to engage that domain with the gospel of the kingdom, make disciples in domain of society, and from that, watch Jesus build his church. And so your domain maps are key. If you don't have one, there's a few extra printed out on the back table by the offering box. You can take one. If you don't have one at the end of the service and they're all gone, you can email me. Uh, email's on the website, and I will shoot you a digital version, okay? Make sense? So everybody has access to a domain map, all right? Last week, I was so fired up to launch into the, the kingdom that I, just, I mentioned Acts, and we're going to be jumping into Acts, but we're going to be jumping into Acts after Easter, after we finish KDSC and reminding of the DNA that, that really drives our vision. We're going to be studying through uh, up to the resurrection of Jesus, walking through the gospel of Luke, through the season of Lent, and preparing to celebrate the resurrection. On the blog today, I've given you four little steps uh, to kind of celebrate this season. This is our most important holiday as Christians. It's more important than Christmas. It really is. If Jesus is in the grave, I'm going home. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but he's not in the grave. He is alive. The resurrected Christ is alive. And Easter is our most important celebration. And there's some cool tools on here for you to celebrate that. Some links for you to go to and celebrate them at home with your children. Eat all kinds of bad things that you shouldn't eat, like Reese's peanut butter eggs and the one-pound peanut butter egg. If anyone wants to give me an Easter gift. Actually, I probably don't need that. Don't buy me that. Um, 
I mean, I want that. Don't hear me. But you know what I'm saying? Do some fun stuff. Make Easter fun, right? Seriously. No, no, no. Bunnies. Bunnies hopping, laying eggs. And like, this is weird. That's scary. But I mean, like, legitimate Jesus stuff. Easter. Let's celebrate it. Have some fun with it. And we're going to be walking through the Gospel of Luke, moving toward the cross and the resurrection. It's going to be a good time. And then we're launching into Acts until 2000 through, about halfway through 2017. And that's going to be pretty awesome. And some really cool things coming up as we talk through the book of Acts, okay? Enough announcements. Let's pray and let's dive back into the gospel of the kingdom. Father, in the name of Jesus, this morning, we trust you and we love you and we thank you that you have loved us first. And so this morning, we are gathered today. We're gathered here and we're gathered in another location, in a home, preparing to launch a new campus today because you are gracious and kind, and you build your church, and not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. And so this morning, we celebrate that, we enjoy that, we take hope in that today, and we pray that you'd be glorified, and that our joy would be full. We pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would reign this time, you'd rule over it well. We pray against the evil one and the effects of the evil one, and that you would cause us to hear and to obey today. For your glory and for our joy, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we talked about uh, the fact that every uh, every so often we revisit who we are. We look at our vision. We look at our purpose. We look at that mashup that we call for the glory of God, disciple the nations by being and producing radical followers of Jesus. And the fact that uh, the DNA of KDSC drives that. It drives that vision, Kingdom Disciples Society Church. And we need to remember those things lest we lose sight of them, right? Because if there's no mission, there's no steps to be taken toward an end, right? Organizations, church particularly, have a mission, right? Jesus gave it to us. The great co-mission, right? And it's an end. And its end is the globe. And it's the glory of God in making disciples of all nations, right? And so we have an end. And that determines our steps. It determines what we do. It determines what we don't do, right? And so we have a mission, and it's there, and it's the great end of the glory of God by discipling the nations, by being and producing these John 15 radical followers of Jesus who abide in Christ and love Jesus more than anything. Up, relationship with God restored. In, relationship with each other restored. In the church, out, moving out to disciple the nations. Radical life, right? And so that's how we seek to achieve discipling the nations for the glory of God. That's who we are. And what drives that is this DNA of KDSC, Kingdom Disciple Society Church. Now, I'm not going to preach last week's sermon again. So if you weren't here, go listen to it online and catch up to where we are today. But today, we're kind of in the middle of that talk. It's really one talk, broken into two. So we're in the middle of it today. All right? And we're looking at the gospel of the kingdom. Because sequence matters. You remember that? Sequence matters. Right? Kingdom comes first. If we start with the church, we might miss the kingdom. But you've got to understand something. Jesus doesn't start with the church. Jesus starts with the proclamation that His kingdom has come. And the Bible calls this really good news. It calls it gospel. That Jesus has come and He's broken the curse. And that He has taken the sin of the world on Himself at the hands of the Father 
to crush and break the curse. And he died and he was buried and he rose on the third day. And he defeated Satan, death and hell. And provided the way of escape from the wrath of God for all those who believe and trust in him. And follow him and obey him. And he has established his rule and he's taking back. And we'll see that passage here in a second. Through his kingdom, his rule over all things. So Jesus starts with the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom. And that, Romans 1.16, saves people. It saves individuals. It rips them from the domain of darkness and transfers them to the kingdom of the Son. And it does it in domains of society. It does it everywhere. It does it in all spheres that God created to rule His creation with. And Jesus promised us in Matthew 16, 18, that from there I will build my church. Through the preached gospel, Jesus saves people. He saves them in all domains of society. And from there He builds His church globally. And so if you start with the gospel, you will get the church. If you start with the church, you can miss the gospel. I would argue that today all across our town and all across the West, there are lots of organizations meeting today in powerless meetings. In powerless organizations doing nothing other than gathering and singing a few sentimental songs and irrelevant to their town with no gospel power whatsoever to address the domains of society. Why? Because they started with the church. Listen, guys, you don't go to church. You are the church. And if you think about yourselves as going to church as opposed to being the church, you started with the church, not the kingdom. Make sense? This is why building is not the church. You are the church. You, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom, have been made a disciple. And you have a domain that you dwell in. And from that, Jesus is constructing His church. And the church is a group of people gathered on the mission of Jesus, covenanted together to do the Great Commission for the glory of God. Observing what Jesus told us to observe. Right? Which is why the church flourishes everywhere that the gospel is preached and disciples are made. Right? You guys get it? And so that's where we were last week. And so we want to pick up in the middle of Jesus' teaching about the kingdom. And so if you're looking on the blog... Posted today, part two, and we start with Matthew 9, 32 to 38. Matthew 9, 32 to 38. Listen to Jesus here teaching about the kingdom. As they were going away, say this real quick. The kingdom of Jesus Christ is powerful and supernatural. We are not naturalists in this room. If you are naturalist, you have a non-biblical worldview. Okay? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you must be a supernaturalist. Because the kingdom of Jesus Christ has come and He's broken the curse. And His rule is advancing supernaturally through the proclamation that His rule has come. The good news that Jesus has come. And He has done this amazing work. Alright? And in that gospel proclamation, supernatural things are taking place. In this room right now, I'm trusting that the majority of you who walked in here today have heard and believed the good news, been transformed by the gospel. Some of you may not have been. But what's going on in this room, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, is deeper and thicker and richer than you can even imagine at this point. There's a war for your thoughts right now. 
There is a battle taking place for what you will hear and understand and walk away with and do. And the enemy is slick and he has schemes. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we are not unaware of his schemes. He has all sorts of schemes to keep us from missing the rule of Christ over everything. Jesus' rule includes this room right now. And you will submit to his rule or you will rebel against his rule. Those are the two options in this room right now. You submit to the rule of Christ... And bring into discipline and under His Lordship, hearing and obeying. Or you will go somewhere else and live somewhere else and endure for a little bit and rebel against Him. But the rule of Christ is over this room and you submit to or you rebel against. You tracking? That's a spiritual issue. And so, it's not just get saved by the gospel, it's the gospel also ruling you today. You never outgrow the gospel of the kingdom, you don't get past it. You never grow past the good news. The good news of the kingdom of Jesus Christ is what disciples you and grows you into completion the day you crawl into the grave. Right? And so the rule of Christ present over this room, so Three Rivers Church, fight! To come under the rule of Christ in this moment. Hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he who hears these words of mine and does them is a wise man who built his house on the rock. When the rains came and the floods came and beat on that house, it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. On this rock, Peter, that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, I will build my church. So three rivers, this is a supernatural endeavor we're engaged in. Right? And you'll Matthew nine, thirty two to thirty eight. As they were going away, behold a what? Demon oppressed man, who was mute and brought was mute and was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisee said, He casts out demons by the prince of demons. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, comma, and this is italicized and underlined, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. This is a reality in kingdom work. The harvest is plentiful. Very few laborers. By the way, Jesus said this. And he taught these things among crowds of people. It could be true in this room. The harvest is plentiful, but there are few laborers. Because maybe there are not a lot of people seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Maybe they're seeking the clothing, the food, and the water that the Gentiles seek after. And missing the kingdom. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Don't seek after the stuff. Seek me and my kingdom. I'll take care of food, water, and clothing. Right? And so, Jesus, the laborers are few, but there is a harvest to be had. And who are the laborers? Those who seek His kingdom rule first. And Jesus called that good news. The gospel of the kingdom. So he said, therefore, pray 
earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. I want you to notice here the conflict between the kingdom of darkness, all the way back up to the demon-oppressed man, oppressing image bearers, in this case the mute man, and domains of society, the Pharisees as a ruling political party. And the good news of the kingdom healing and releasing from the curse. There's a conflict going on. There's an image bearer who has been oppressed by the kingdom of darkness. And there is a domain of society, a political party called the Pharisees, who are in conflict with Jesus, releasing this man and bringing him into the kingdom of light. You notice the, the conflict? Listen, Three Rivers Church, there is a conflict going on. And it's a conflict between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And all domains of society that are still under the kingdom of darkness. Jesus modeled for us ministry by entering and affecting by colliding and teaching and healing and fixing and making right. Notice what he said. Healing every disease and every affliction. Listen, Three Rivers Church, when we do the gospel of the kingdom, it's, it is it is about people being rescued and being transformed by the powerful gospel. We say being saved. But it is also about engaging in every domain and fixing everything that's broken from the fall and under the curse of the fall. And Jesus modeled that for us. Jesus told the twelve when He sent them out, Heal! Fix things that are broken and then proclaim to them the good news of the kingdom. So here's Jesus modeling this conflict between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. So see the conflict. See that Jesus is engaging a domain of society. See that that domain fought him back. Right? He, he's just casting demons out by the prince of demons. A fight ensues. And John shows this conflict clearly in John 8 where Jesus and the Pharisees are going toe-to-toe in this encounter. And Jesus says, you are sons of your father, Satan. You not read John 8? You're under the curse of the evil one and you belong to your father, Satan, who is a liar and the father of lies. And say, who do you think you are? And Jesus ends that chapter, before Abraham was, I am. And they picked up stones to throw at him because they knew what he said and they knew what he meant. I am the God of the Old Testament. I am Yahweh. And the kingdom of darkness doesn't agree with the kingdom of light, but Jesus engaging. The good news of the kingdom is the proclamation that Jesus' rule has come and He saves sinners and He engages domains of society. Harvest is plentiful. There's plenty of domains that need to be engaged. There's plenty of dark places in Roman Floyd County that need to be engaged, but the laborers are few. It's not that there are few Christians, it's that there are few Christians engaging with the gospel. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There's abundant work, few laborers. Notice what the Lord's command to us is. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send laborers. Here's Jesus' command to expand the kingdom. Ready? Pray. Isn't that cool? Listen, you want to you be a missions mobilizer? 
I'm not joking. I'm, I'm not being trite. I'm being dead serious. You want to engage in ministry? You want to engage in the global work of the gospel? Pray daily for the Lord of the harvest to send workers to every domain of society. Get up and make that your prayer. Lord, King Jesus, ruler of the harvest, will you please today mobilize your people to the ends of the earth, to engage everywhere. Would you do that, Lord? And would you start with me today? Make that your prayer, and you will become the most effective missions mobilizing agency on the face of the planet. Jesus taught us this is how it's done. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers. Why? Because the gospel of the kingdom. That's what the gospel does, what the good news does. The good news engages every domain of society. To bring in the harvest of people and created order brought back under the rule of Christ. Matthew 13, 47 to 50. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that's thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. And when it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers and threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. Jesus is looking at the end of the age, the wrapping up of all things, the restoration of all things. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus taught us something very important here about the kingdom. If we preach the gospel of the kingdom, it's going to catch all kinds into its net. There's going to be some bad fish in the nets. There's going to be some good fish in the nets. Jesus told us another parable to this extent. It's the wheat and the weeds. There's this great field of wheat. And they woke in the morning and discovered the enemy had sown weeds in the middle of the wheat. And the worker said, do you want us to go sort them out? And Jesus said, no. I'll sort them out at the end of the age. Listen, guys, if we preach the gospel of the kingdom, there are sure to be weeds in the midst of wheat. There is sure to be bad fish among good fish. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, you will know them by their fruit. Listen, it's not so much our job to root them out as much as it is to recognize the fruit of the kingdom and the not fruit of the kingdom. Here's the point. Weeds and bad fish are sure to be among us. It is a ministerial reality. But here's the good news. Jesus will sort them out. So here's the implication. Keep your eyes focused on Christ and His kingdom and do His work. And let Jesus sort the bad fish from the good fish. If you get caught up figuring out, trying to figure out who the bad fish are, you're going to miss the kingdom. But if you seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, Jesus will take care of the bad fish and the weeds. He has a way of pruning. John 15. Jesus makes people into what He wants them to be. He's a good Father and He prunes. And He takes away branches that don't bear fruit. You know one of the things I've noticed about ministry over 13 years is Jesus is awesome about pruning His church. As a matter of fact, in that parable, the Father is the vine dresser. And the vine dresser knows every branch. And branch that's not fruitful, He breaks off. And casts away into the fire to be burned. Listen, your job, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Jesus will take care of the bad fish and the weeds. 
So three of us church in the kingdom, working in the kingdom, focus on Christ, reach after Christ, seek after Christ and his rule over your life. He will take care of the weeds and the bad fish among us. But know this, if we do kingdom work, we will gather in bad fish and we will gather in weeds. Jesus will root them out. But don't listen, don't let that hinder the reach of the net. One of the things that happens when ministries get settled and they get comfortable is they stop casting the net out and pulling in bad fish, lest those bad fish stink up the good fish. It's not comfortable when bad bad fish get caught up in the net, is it? Because they smell bad and they wear things that we shouldn't wear to our nice, neat little gathering. They might corrupt my child. So don't gather the bad fish anymore. No. It doesn't keep us from casting the net wide and reaching to the dark places to fix them and to repair them and to heal them with the good news of the rule of Christ. Does that make sense? So we cast a wide net and we trust Jesus to bring to salvation those... Listen, if you're visiting today, we're a Reformed Fellowship, so I may about... Maybe I'm going to offend you. But He's going to bring those that He has chosen before the foundation of the world. The hidden peoples among all nations. He knows who they are. We don't. Not our job to know. It's our job to preach. He calls them forth. And He will bring in those who are His that the Father has given the Son. And our job is to disciple the nations. He will determine who's bad and who's not. That's His job, not ours. Seek first the kingdom and His righteousness. Cast a wide net. The gospel of the kingdom will do its work because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who will believe. Right? Matthew 13, 31 to 32. By the way, read the gospels. Jesus preached about His kingdom more than anything else. Matthew 13 is all about the kingdom. It's just loaded with parables of the kingdom. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like. Again, the kingdom is like. Again, the kingdom is like. Listen to Jesus' teaching here in Matthew 13, 31 to 32. Put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it's larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make its nests and its branches. This is a beautiful thing about God's kingdom is it's meek and unassuming. It's meek and unassuming. Jesus taught us the kingdom is like a mustard seed. It's the tiniest seed. But when you put it in the ground and it grows, it becomes a large tree and makes a tree that can give shade and nests of birds of all kinds. The kingdom is unassuming, but yet it's full of power. The kingdom is fruitful. The kingdom maximizes potential. The kingdom takes its two talents and multiplies them into four. Never judge a work of God by what it looks like on the outside. Never. The gospel of the kingdom teaches us to look past the veneer into the heart. And how do we see that lived out in the Old Testament? Right? David was the last one that Jesse thought could be a king. And so Samuel says, bring your sons. And where does he start? The oldest, the tallest, the best. You read that passage carefully. David's the youngest one and the one that's outside. He doesn't think enough of David to actually bring him in before Samuel. 
And what does God say? Hey, I don't look at the outside. I look at the heart. And what did God say after that little shepherd boy out in the field? He has a heart that beats after my kingdom. He's my king. Listen, the kingdom is meek and unassuming. Never, ever, ever believe the gospel of the kingdom goes forth on the strength of the carrier. The gospel is powerful in and of itself, and the strength of the character, the carrier is irrelevant. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches us over and over and over and over again, great moves of God's kingdom come through small, unassuming things. And what does God always do? He picks the least. He saves a people through the young brother who was a prisoner and slave in Egypt. He rejected Esau, took Jacob. Right? Did Jesus come and take an advantage to Himself? No. He came born into poverty, in a manger. God's work is always meek and unassuming. So listen, this is good news. It's good news. The kingdom, right? God doesn't need your strength to grow His kingdom. Paul's sickness, I pleaded three times, take it away. The Lord said, my grace is made perfect in your weakness. And so I will give you strength, Paul. I don't need you to be strong, Paul. I need you humble, Paul. So I will humble you and I will show my strength through you. Second Corinthians chapter 1, God will crush you. Don't buy the lie that God will put, won't put on you more than you can bear. That's, that's the merging of two Bible verses and makes a lie. Here's 2 Corinthians 10, 13. God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And the people make this theological something. Well, if He won't let me be tempted beyond what I can bear, He won't put more on me than I can bear. Read 2 Corinthians 1 carefully. We were crushed beyond our ability to bear it. And this was to show us that God can raise the dead. God likes to take dead things and bring them to life. He likes to take the weak and make them strong. The kingdom's a mustard seed. And he puts it in the dirt, and when it dies, it makes this big plant. Never assume a work is a great work because it's big. God doesn't need bigness. And the curse of the American church is thinking big equals success. The largest churches in our town have not multiplied in a hundred years. We have. Look around you. That's because of Jesus, not us. Listen, don't, don't hear tooting our horn because we're good. Ain't nothing we do slick. It's mustard seed in dirt dead that Jesus brings to life. Listen, that means every one of us in this room are powerful agents of the kingdom. He doesn't need you to be on your game. He doesn't need you to be slick. He wants you to hear and obey. He who hears these words of mine and does them. Right? So the kingdom is meek and unassuming, but powerful for salvation. That gives me great hope, right? I don't know about you, but that gives me great hope. Matthew thirteen thirty three told him another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Kingdom supernatural. Don't judge me for this language, but it's magical. C.S. Lewis said we live in a magical world. And there's something about the gospel that just fixes. There's something about the message that proclaimed heals. 
broken things. There's something about the rule of Christ through the hands of a skilled laborer bringing the rule of Christ to bear in a domain of society that just fixes because it's like yeast in dough. I don't know how, don't know why, but a little tiny microscopic yeast can make a whole lump of dough leavened. Why? Because that's how the kingdom works. This is why we tell you, sow the gospel liberally. Preach the good news constantly. Engage domains of society everywhere. Heal, fix, repair, bring it under the rule of Christ. Ask people, tell them, repent, believe the gospel. And watch Jesus do the supernatural work in His good time. Matthew thirteen twenty four to 30. This is the parable of the weed and the wheat. The, the weeds. I when I say weeds and wheat, I used to say wheats and weeds. And weeds and, and weeds and wheats is like I, those two words like trip me up. So wheat and weeds. We've hit. We're not going to go into it now. Ephesians 1, 7 to 10. Here we go. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven, and things on earth. We have in Ephesians chapter 1, 7 to 10, this glorious truth proclaimed to us that the proclamation of His redemption and forgiveness of our trespasses that He's lavished upon us, He also lavished upon us wisdom and insight to know the mystery of His will. What used to be hidden is now no longer hidden. And it's clear what His will is. And He defines it according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan. A plan. God's working a plan for the fullness of time. Comma. Two. Here's the plan. Two indicates this is the plan. To unite all things in Him, things in heaven and on earth. Through the proclamation of the good news in all domains of society, Jesus' sovereign yeast Working in dough, mustard seed plant is to bring everything back underneath His rule, to unite them in Him. This is why we talk about domains of society. Listen, God made government, and He made government good. Government is fallen. That doesn't mean Christians are to disengage. That means Christians are to engage and fight like mad to bring governmental rule back under the rule of Jesus. Medicine isn't bad. Medicine is broken. And it takes people following Christ, seeing the good purpose of God to engage medicine and bring it under the rule of Christ. Science is not bad. The way things work belong to Jesus. And it's the job of the Christian scientist to engage that domain and see the glory of God at the chemical and microscopic level to bring that discipline back under the rule of Christ for the glory of God among all peoples. Because the mystery of God's will is that He in Christ is uniting all things under His rule. The interwebs is not bad. It's just misused. And God gives people skills to engage it with the good news of the rule of Christ and bring it under His rule as a massive tool to make Jesus known and to fix things that are broken. Because that's what God is doing in His kingdom. The gospel is the good news of Jesus' kingdom come and the breaking of the curse of the fall and the overthrow of Satan's little and temporary kingdom. 
to be finally overthrown when Jesus returns. The good news of the kingdom is more than salvation from sin. It is that. It is that. But salvation from sin is just the entry into the larger work of the kingdom. Listen to this carefully. The culture of rescue from hell as the goal of the gospel has not only short-sighted the work of the church, but it has pillaged discipleship for the church. The good news of the kingdom makes salvation possible for all who believe and gives those who believe, this is written down for you, a mission to subvert the work of Satan through making disciples and engaging domains of society in all nations and establishing the church as an outpost and community of the kingdom by the Spirit's power as we wait for Jesus to return, complete the kingdom's establishment, and completely bring Satan's work to an end. The gospel of the kingdom gives us discipleship. It teaches us how to disciple. Because God doesn't just save you from hell. He saves you from hell and saves you to a life mission. And thereby rendering every skill that is good under the heavens as holy and righteous and a calling. Part of the problem of the Catholic Church prior to the Reformation was they had turned vocation into pastoral ministry, not the proper understanding of the gifting of every individual to a particular calling in life. And we still do that to the pastoral ministry today. I still hear young men and, and ladies talking about God's called me to ministry. But nobody ever says God's called me to be an electrician. Why? Because they still have the lie in their head that calling equals pastor. No, it's not. The Bible never calls pastor calling. Never. It's not there. Pastoral ministry is a noble desire. 1 Timothy 3.1 Everybody in this room has a calling. Vocation. You understand that word vocation? Vocation's root is voca. Voca. Voice. Calling. Voca. Vocation. Our school system has it better than the church. As far as understanding vocation. Vocation is calling. Meaning every single one of you has a skill set that is unique to a domain of society. And that is your calling. And whatever you do, don't leave it for pastoral ministry. Because you can still do pastoral ministry in your calling. That's why we have nine pastors. And other churches like, how do you get nine pastors? Because we just kind of do what First Timothy 3, 1 to 7 says. And you're still calling, you're, you're kind of Protestant Catholic. So you not need to be liberated from that. There's a little thing called the Reformation. Why don't you jump in? Serious, y'all. Listen, the gospel of the kingdom liberates every single one of you to be what God uniquely wired you to be in the domains of society He's called you to be in and to disciple people in them. And from there, remember what we said, every disciple a church planter. Some of you are whispering, you're afraid to say it out loud. Every disciple a church planter. Why? Because that's how God builds His kingdom. That's how He does it globally. Right? Every disciple, church planner. It's not the gospel, the kingdom's exploding all over the world. It's because disciples in all domains are making disciples and forming themselves into little churches because that's what happens in Acts. That's why I can't wait to get to Acts. I'm looking past Easter and it's our most important holiday because I can't wait to get to Acts. You'll be, you'll just make my life 
You just make, I, I could pass away and be happy today. If I'm just kidding, Jesus. I don't want to pass away today. Just, I mean, but I would be happy if that happened, Lord. Hear me. If, if all of y'all planted the church at some point in your time globally. If we just walked through this room and did the count off, like just our one, two, three, four, and all the way, and however many people's in this room, we planted that many churches because you took engaging a domain of society so seriously that you began to make disciples in that domain of society, and they're meeting in your office, and there's like 20 of you, and next thing you know, it's like, why don't we just plant a church? I would, I would be done. I'd retire, move somewhere, Acapulco, and just watch it happen. You know what I'm saying? Be, I don't have enough to retire on, but you know, but you get my point. It would be awesome. It would be awesome because that's calling. That's calling. And so the gospel of the kingdom is big like that. There's a harvest that's plentiful and few laborers. And I believe the reason there are few laborers is because most people don't understand that they're actually a laborer. And they don't need to be commissioned or ordained to be such. They just need to start proclaiming the good news of Jesus' rule and His salvation wherever He has placed them. And when they do that, you know what happens? Jesus saves people. And then those saved people start proclaiming that message and he saves more people. Next thing you know, you got this thing called a movement. That's why I had y'all read The Insanity of God. If you had not read it, repent and go read that little book. It's cheap. I think on Amazon, I found one the other day for a penny. The shipping costs more than the book. $3 for shipping, one penny for the book. Go get it. Everybody got $3. Implications of this kingdom. I'm almost to my self-imposed stop time, so we've got to finish, okay? Because we can't do kingdom three weeks. Jim's going to preach on discipleship next week, so I've got to get done. Okay, implications on the kingdom. Here we go. Number one, if the kingdom of Jesus Christ has come, and if we're wheat and sheep and not weeds and goats, and if we have been given wisdom and insight to know the plan of God to unite all things in Christ then there are some implications for us in the community of the kingdom called the church. And here it is. Number one, we must be missional. We have to be missional. That is, we have to be about Jesus' mission, not our mission. I believe the reason the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few is because there are a lot of laborers who are on their own deal, doing their own thing in their own time, and trying to invite Jesus in to bless their deal. Not doing His thing and trusting that He will supply what they need. Jesus never promises to give you whatever you want as long as you ask Him for it when you're not seeking His kingdom. The whole thing of ask me and I will give implies, Matthew 6, 33, that you're seeking after Him and His kingdom and He will give you what you need. And if you need comfort, He'll give you comfort. If you don't need comfort, He'll take it from you. But He will give you what you need. He's supernatural. One of my favorite things God does in this little church is the giving that takes place in this little thing. It blows my mind. I just, guys were saying like, what? I, I never know these numbers because I don't do money. This is this accountability thing we have and I don't touch money and they just sort of tell me what goes on. I'm shocked at what y'all give. Don't stop. <laughs> do not stop. There's a box in the back. We never, we, you notice we never pass a plate. I just thought it'd be fun to mess with y'all one Sunday and come on with those little velvet bags on sticks and pass them around and make y'all think we've gone crazy. No, I'm just kidding. Put that away. We're not gonna do it. But there's a box in the back. We never ask you. We say, there's a box in the back. Obey Jesus. The Bible tells you it's not yours, it's His. So give Him all that's His. And, and if you're disobedient, Jesus will take care of you. Just go give. And y'all blow my mind. And God does incredible global things with it. Why? Because that's just kind of what God does. If you seek after His kingdom, He just does that stuff because that's what he 
does. And so we got to be on Jesus' mission, not ours. And if you seek after the kingdom of God first, He will supply everything you need. I promise you that. He's never failed me once. Never. Never. I'm convinced that we move back here and I'm making $8.10 an hour. And I'm, I, how many of y'all can live on eight ten an hour? Don't raise your hand. Right? I know y'all can't do it. Some of y'all be like, I'm beyond an $8.10 an hour job. I've got two years of college. You should pay me six figures. I know. Reality is many of y'all are going to be overqualified. I mean, you're going to have overeducated, underqualified, and you're going to have to work for 8.10. Well, the minimum wage is more than that now. So yeah, you'd be better off than I was. I'm convinced God multiplied money in the bank. There's just no way to function on eight dollars and ten cents an hour with a kid and trying to live and plant a church. And there were there were I'm not I'm not kidding. I, I'm messing with you not. There were months where money was just there. He's never failed me. Because our mission is to seek the kingdom. And if it cost me my life, it cost me my life. But he who seeks his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake in the kingdom will find it, gain it. Be missional. Seek Jesus' mission. So we have to be on Jesus' mission. Missional is about going and establishing as well as inviting people to come and see. Listen, go, proclaim the kingdom, but invite people into this place. Invite them to come. Listen, man, God does great things when people walk into a building and among the gathered church. Be quiet. Shh. But I'm going to invite my Muslim friend to church. He's the imam at the local Islamic center. Uh, I'm going to have him come teach some people about Islam on a Wednesday night. Don't freak out. And you better come and be nice to my friend or I'm going to get you. Right? But I want him in this place. You know why? Because Holy Spirit will jump all over him. And then we're going to baptize him in the Coosa River. How fun will that be? Right? How fun will that be? Right? Be missional. Go tell. Ask them to come and see. Missional redeems vocations as holy. Missional living attempts to seek the kingdom and everything and follow Jesus' leading. There's a few suggestions for you to be missional. Number one, seek the rule of Jesus in your finances. If you're upside down, go, go, go to crown.org or daveramsey.whatever and... and Seek the kingdom in your in your finances. They're not yours anyway. Do not abuse Jesus' money. Everything you have has been given you by God and it's yours to manage. Ownership is a lie. You own nothing. Everything is Jesus and it is how you manage it and steward it. Seek the rule in your finances. Seek the rule of Jesus in your parenting. Later on in the year, we're going to be talking about parenting for, for a little bit of a series. What it is to be a Christian parent? Seek the rule of Jesus over your parenting. Seek the rule of Jesus in your marriage. It's hard to have a broken home when mom and dad are, are submitted to Christ. Brokenness takes place when one wants the other to bow the knee to them. So husbands, I say this in our marriage ceremony. When I'm marrying people, it's like you have the higher responsibility. You have to seek the kingdom. You're to bow the knee to King Jesus. And when your wife knows that you are submitted to Christ and following Him, it'll make it easier for her to follow you. Right? Seek the rule of Jesus over your marriage. Seek the rule of Jesus in fellowship with three of His people. Seek the rule of Jesus in your Bible reading. So how do you do that? Read your Bible, stop and listen, ask Jesus to speak to you. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. 
Don't just mechanic, mechanically read through. Stop and ask the Lord to lead you. Seek the rule of Jesus in your praying. Seek the rule of Jesus in your outreach and evangelism. Try Hudson Taylor's spiritual secret. If you don't know what that is, go read about it. Google it. It'll blow your mind. We all like Hudson Taylor. If you don't know who Hudson Taylor is, go buy a book and read. Inland China Mission. Matter of fact, that work is still present today in China. Right? It's just not called Inland China Mission anymore. Hudson, Hudson Taylor's spiritual secret. Second thing is we have to be incarnational. We've got to be present. If we're going to do the gospel of the kingdom, we have to be present. Jesus was present. Jesus was present. You can't do kingdom work absent. You can't do kingdom work not being engaged. Meaning, you've got to be somewhere. This is why you need to see your vocation as the center, epicenter of your field. It is ground zero of a move of God. View tomorrow morning as the sending opportunity to go and disciple a bunch of people who need to be brought into the kingdom. Be present. Not just doing your job, but doing your job recognizing there is, there's stuff in play here. There are people who need to be rescued from the kingdom of darkness. This whole thing's broken. How would God help have me come and help bring it back under His rule? And you know what may you, you may discover is you have a lifetime goal. You can't achieve it in your lifetime. And there's nothing like moving you to action to realize, I ain't going to get this done in my life. i got to speed up. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing like realizing this can't get done in my lifetime to push you faster and harder. We have to be, we used to say organic, and that's become such a churchy word that I don't even know how to define it anymore. So I've kind of, I even put, used to say organic, but we must be alive, abiding. We must be alive. We must be abiding. The kingdom does not advance by man's schemes. The kingdom happens as a supernatural move of the Spirit and spiritually thriving people. The job of the church is not to manufacture movements, but to join them. We have to have eyes that see and ears that hear and be ready to obey. Abide in Christ. Jesus taught us how to get kingdom fruit. John 15. This is why we call this the radical life. Is abide in Christ and you will bear much fruit. Listen, the key to kingdom fruit is resting in Christ. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Abide in Christ. Listen, when you go to work in the morning and you're engaging with people, the kingdom to rest in Jesus. How do you do that? Sometimes you got to stop. Jesus, this is kind of taxing right now. Stop and pray under your breath. Lord, will you help me right now? Maybe it's getting up a little bit earlier to get yourself psyched up and ready to go and spend time with Jesus. Lord, would you empower my words today? Would you help me today to rest in you? Would you help me to not freak out and be anxious? You tell me not to be anxious, so would you help me not be anxious today and get yourself ready? Right? Right? Abide, alive, walking with Christ, the supernatural work. Listen, God, listen. this is why you need to read Chronicles of Narnia. I'm telling you, Lewis knew what he was doing writing those children's books. They're for adults. I'm telling you, because this is a magical world and the kingdom is supernatural. And you need to have eyes that see the supernatural working of God in your day. To recognize His hand moving things and circumstances and situations so you can walk in it. And that only happens when you're walking with Jesus. Spiritually tuned in to what Holy Spirit's up to. Baptists don't talk about that a lot, do we? So, 
fun. We have to be contextual. Why? They keep jacking with stuff. I hope that's not me. I'm trying not to do that. Sorry, that's messing with you. We have to be contextual. The kingdom always invades context. And it brings things under the rule of Christ. It brings them under the constitution of His kingdom, the Bible. makes the Scriptures the rule of that context in redeeming it for Christ. This is why the Bible never prescribes a model for ministry. This is why the church should never prescribe a model for its ministries. The community of the kingdom fits in and transforms from the inside out. We have to make sure we don't fall into the trap of thinking our preference is the model. The model is the kingdom. And what does the kingdom look like? Matthew 5-7, through 7, the Sermon on the Mount. We must strive to outdo one another in showing honor, allow for conscience, and let Holy Spirit dictate the how-to. This requires trial and error. This requires experimentation. It requires effort. It requires thinking. But it requires that we trust God in the proclamation of the gospel to birth a movement and teach me how to be part of it. We got to be global. You knew that was coming. It's here and there simultaneously. We'll say more about that in a couple of weeks when we talk about domains. We have to be growing, evolving. The kingdom is always growing and overtaking formerly held enemy territory. The community of the kingdom must be flexible enough to incorporate that kind of growth. You're going to be hearing more in the coming weeks about how what's happening in Roman Floyd County with Restoration Rome. And yes, that's your work. You're going to be hearing more about it. How God is working to give us a facility in a broken part of town that we won't be meeting in, but we'll be using to mobilize a movement of people to foster and adoptive care services to fix a broken deal in Roman Floyd County. He hadn't done that in any other church, but He's done it in yours. Isn't it wild that God would have given you an old school? To do work. And you know what that requires? That requires us to, to grow. It requires us to think differently. It requires us to figure out how to put our hands on this stuff. Right? Because the kingdom's always taking formerly held enemy territory. And we've got to learn to grow into that work. I think Jim said it this morning. We're praying. Pastor Jim said, Lord, what did we do to you? Why, why are you doing this to us? And just joking. Like, this is a heavy responsibility that God's put on us to plant churches, other campuses, take on this massive work that's legislative at the state level. And he's done it in this little fellowship. What? Meaning we have to be growing and learning how to grow. It's always, always pushing us to grow. The gospel of the kingdom is powerful. And Three Rivers Church, that is our message. The good news of Jesus Christ. Come, buried, raised, established His rule, and sent us out to disciple the nations with His rule. That's our battle cry. The gospel of the kingdom. And that will make disciples in domains of society, and from that Jesus will build His church. That's the DNA that pushes our vision forward. Finally, we worship. Psalm 147.1, praise the Lord for it is good. I went past myself in post time, sorry. Because we were done now. Praise the Lord for it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. It's only fitting that God's people worship. 
It is pleasant and good. And so people in the kingdom worship. We are a worshiping people because we have a king worth worshiping. And so we sing. And so would you join me in prayer and prepare your hearts to worship. Father, in the name of Jesus, today we come to uh, make much of you in song. We pray today, Holy Spirit, that you have brought us as individuals and us as a fellowship under your rule today, that you have spread the rule of your kingdom a little more over us today. We pray that in every heart there is that work taking place. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would tear down walls that would keep us from hearing and, and obeying. I pray that you would tear tear away fears that keep us from operating in, uh, in your work. I pray that you would remove those things. I pray that you would take away any barrier that would keep us from loving each other and loving those who need to come into the kingdom, loving our enemies and praying for those who persecute us. Lord, I pray you do that work. Ask today that you would minister to the body. Uh, Holy Spirit, that you would minister to the body through each other. And so, Three Rivers, this morning I invite you to sing, but I also invite you to come and minister to one another. If the Lord would put someone on your heart to pray for, I want you to feel free to go and pray for them and speak a word of encouragement to them. But this morning, worship and obey the Lord so that He would be glorified and our joy would increase.